Praise the Lord. Go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 1. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 1. Verses number 18 through verse number 28. Matthew 1, 18. I'm sorry, 18 through 21. Matthew 18. Matthew 1. 18 through 21. I've given you like five things here. Hopefully one of them's right. Matthew chapter number 1, verse 18 through verse 21. If you found it, say amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say that was of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. That verse means that Even though Mary said it was the Lord, Joseph didn't really know if he believed her or not. And so he didn't want to make a public example. He didn't want to to embarrass her publicly, so he was just going to break off the engagement quietly. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say it's of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For that which is conceived of her, in her, verse the latter part of verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I want to preach for a while on the topic, a divine conception a divine conception how many believe that God wants to do something by the Holy Ghost in this place tonight amen if you believe God wants to do something in this place by the Holy Ghost give the Lord a praise you believe that God wants to do something in you by the Holy Ghost now give God a praise he's not going to do it through the carpet and he's not going to do it through the wires and he's not going to do it through the sheetrock he's not going to do it through the wood if he's going to do something by the Holy Ghost in this place that means he's going to do something by the Holy Ghost in you you ought to thank God for what he's getting ready to do Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. The Merriam-Webster's Dictionary definition of the word conception leaves two basic thoughts. The first is the action of conceiving a child. The second is the forming or devising of a plan. So a conception is an, act, is an action of conceiving life. Or number two, it is forming or devising a plan. Tonight, I'd like to offer a dual meaning that derives from both of these basic definitions. God calls there to be a spiritual conception in Mary of the Holy Ghost that made her the mother of Jesus Christ. But God also had a plan. He had an idea. He had a purpose in mind 
for you and I, the church, by causing us to be born of the Spirit. God has, God had and God has a plan for you and I. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to say it again because I believe it. God has a plan for you and I. Amen. It's not his will that we get born again at some point and then never interact with him spiritually again. The time of the coming of Jesus Christ at the point in the Gospels was not a high point in the nation of Israel. It could be said that the time that Jesus was born was perhaps the lowest point in all the history of the nation of Israel. Their national sovereignty had been compromised and lost to the Roman Empire. Their economic situation was terrible. Their, they were servants to Rome, and the empire exacted high taxes from them. They had no national military. Their spiritual condition as a nation was at an all-time low. They were carnal, they were worldly, and spiritually cold. Their priests were corrupt and willing to be bribed. Worship was compromised. Cheap sacrifices were sold in the temple rather than people bringing something of their heart to God. Israel was at a low point, but God had decided that this was the time to robe himself in flesh and come and bring salvation. One thing that I want to emphasize to you tonight is that God doesn't need perfect circumstances to revive his people and send salvation to the world. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap for that. God doesn't need perfect situations to do his work. Often the church is tempted to believe that difficult circumstances are a hindrance to revival. But I believe that the situations going on in our world today are not a hindrance to revival. They are a catalyst for revival. Amen. It's my opinion and it's my observation that the world is ripe for a Holy Ghost revival. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. I'm going to say it again because I believe it. This world is ripe for a Holy Ghost revival. The darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker the trial, the greater the miracle. The darker the circumstances, the greater God stands out. I'm telling you that the situation in the world today is the very reason why we're going to see unprecedented Holy Ghost apostolic revival sweep across our state, our nation, and our world. I'm not just preaching it, I'm prophesying it. We're already seeing it. Hallelujah. I got a report. I got a report just a couple of days ago from a missionary that had a meeting with a lot of denominational preachers and they wanted to ask him why he preaches what he preaches and why he teaches what he does. And he began a Bible study teaching them about the power of Jesus' name and the power of the one God we serve. And before it was all said and done, almost every pastor and bishop in that conference was baptized baptized in Jesus name and they went home and baptized thousands in their congregations in the name of Jesus Christ I'm not saying God wants to send revival I'm saying God is sending revival I got a report the other day I sat and talked with an evangelist and this evangelist told me said I was invited by a pastor of a, of, a, of a church that does not preach Jesus' name baptism at all. 
And he said, I, he said, God opened the door. And so I went and I preached. He said, and when I preached, he said, he said, when I preached, he said, people began to respond. He said, and there was a lady that needed a miracle in her body. And, and, when, and when I went, he said, I, I, I wanted, he said, the pastor said he wanted me to baptize her. And he knew that they don't baptize in Jesus' name. But he baptized her anyway. And when he baptized her in Jesus' name, she came out of the water and was healed. And it shook that pastor up. And so they had a bunch more later that wanted to get baptized. And he said, he, he said I, I'm going to baptize them. And so he put the first one down in water. And he remembered when he was getting ready to baptize this person, he remembered that when, he, that when that last lady was baptized in Jesus' name, that she was healed. So he got this person in the water. And he said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And he said, in Jesus' name. And then the other one got in. And this time he said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. In Jesus' name. He didn't get to the Holy Ghost on that one. The next one got in. He said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and in Jesus' name. And the next one got in. He said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he rebaptized his entire church in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, there's a Jesus' name revival that's coming to this world. There's a Jesus name revival that's sweeping the land. I believe it. There's a divine conception. There's a divine plan. There's a divine purpose. There's a reason God is visiting this place. There's a reason God is visiting your family. There's a reason that we fit. Man, I feel it right now. I feel that anointing all over me. It's because God has a plan. I wish somebody believed it. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family. It's a divine conception. It's a divine birth of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord. Can I preach to you just a little while tonight? Hey, I, I had... I've preached a little since, since, since we've been in all this revival, man. I've preached overseas. I've preached out of state. I've preached in, in, in Tennessee, and I've preached in Arkansas, and I've preached in Mississippi, and I've preached in Asia. I've preached, it feels like, everywhere but here. And so I just got a few things I want to say for a little while. Is that all right? And one of the things I want to tell you is one of the reasons that Israel missed Jesus was because he didn't come the way that they expected their Messiah to come. They expected their Messiah to be a king or a mighty warrior. And when he came, when he came from no prominent family and of no reputation, because he came from obscurity, a poor carpenter's son, from an unknown little virgin, and no, they never expected their Messiah to come that way. And so they didn't receive him when he did come. But I'm going to tell you what my point is in that is just because the world can't don't expect what God's getting ready to do in you doesn't mean that God's not getting ready to do it you may have walked in here and felt like you were at the lowest point of life like there's nothing you can do and nothing to offer and I'm telling you you're just the kind of person that God wants to put the Holy Ghost in yes you're just the kind of vessel that God wants to use. You may be broke, you may be busted, you may be broken, you may be wounded, you may be empty, you may be dry, you may be addicted, you may be an alcoholic, but you're just the kind of person. There's a divine conception. God's got a plan, God's got a plan, God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for your future. Yeah, 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 yeah
Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I I, I touched on this this morning. I kept touching on it and getting away from it and touching on it and getting away from it. But I feel the Holy Ghost pulling me back to tell somebody that you you, you you feel like you have completely ruined your life, that you have nothing to give and nothing to offer, and that you have messed up so bad that not even your own family wants much to do with you. But I've come to tell you that the devil's lying to you and telling you that you have no value, the truth is you are exactly the kind of person that God wants to raise up as a light to the world to say if I can do it for her if I can do it for him if I can put their marriage back together I feel something about to break loose it's a divine conception God has a plan God has a plan God has a plan Don't feel bad if you're having trouble believing it right now. Don't feel bad if you think, man, I don't know about that preacher. You're you just pressing the buttons. That's all you. I don't know if I believe that. You don't, don't feel bad about my not believing it because Joseph didn't believe it either. He had to have a dream. An angel had to come to him and say, look here, knucklehead. God's trying to do something for you that you can never get any other way. You have a one-time opportunity to be the father of Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity to be at the ground floor of the greatest salvation that's ever come. The greatest, And you get to hold it. You get to touch it. You get to see it. You get to talk to it. You get to carry it. You get to feed it. You get to change its diaper. But he couldn't hardly believe it. And there's people in this room right now, you cannot believe that what I'm prophesying over your family and over your life can really happen. There's no way, preacher, that I can get it together that much. I'm saying just get out of the way and let the Holy Ghost work. God's got a plan. God's got a divine conception. He saw it before you walked through the door. He saw it before you came and sat on a pew. Hey, hey. He saw it in you. He's, it's a divine. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for your family. God's got a plan for your future. It's a divine conception. Only God could think of it. Only God could conceive of it. Only God could dream it up. What God wants to do in you is bigger than what you can dream for yourself. It's bigger than what you can imagine. It's something that only God himself could think to take a virgin girl and put salvation inside of her and let him be born in a barn and win the world. It's something only God could dream about. stuff I want to preach but I'm not so sure I'm going to make it that far I'm not sure I can last that long Woo, Jesus God's got a plan look at somebody tell them God's got a plan look at somebody and tell them God's got a plan for you come on look at them and tell them speak the word of life the word of faith is nigh thee in thy mouth you got to get at least enough faith to say it even whether you believe it or not but once you put it out there it becomes activated by the spirit of God you need to tell somebody God's got a plan for you come on do it look at somebody look at somebody tell them God's got a plan for you Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't let the devil cheat you out of this word of faith. You open your mouth and say it. God's God's got a plan for you. You hear me, Isaac? God's got a plan for you. Now I want you to tap yourself on the chest and say, God's got a plan for me. He's not done with me. He's not through with me. God's, it's a divine conception. Only God could think of it. Jesus. Give somebody a high five and tell them pastor's preaching to me tonight. 
pastor's got a word for somebody tonight and the word is God is not through with you he's not finished with you it's not over for you it's not even yet started for you I'm just taking a pause because I feel an anointed shift in this place right now. I feel a connection in somebody's spirit. They're starting to believe God can do something with me. Yeah, I, feel, I feel a birth about to happen in somebody's faith. Yeah. It's a divine conception. Only God can think of it. It's not man, it's God. It's not man's idea, it's God's idea. It's not man's way, it's God's way. It's not man's plan, it's God's plan. I'm telling you, it's happening, and it's happening here, and it's happening now. Anybody feel the word of prophecy in this place right now? Anybody feel the spirit of prophecy? I want you just to respond to what you feel. If you feel what I'm preaching, I want you to open your spirit. Yes. The devil's a liar. I've come to tell you you've not messed up so much that God doesn't want to use you. Aaron right here is where I do the Barney Fife move. You know how he's always shooting himself in the foot? I'm about to shoot this sermon in its size 13. Bishop Wilson, I was riding down the road the other day. And I was thinking. And while I was thinking, I was praying. And I felt like the Lord started dealing with me about something. And they're not going to like it when I tell them. I'm going to tell them anyway. The Lord wanted me to tell somebody, you get yourself in this choir. Oh, you may be seated. Yeah, yeah, I didn't expect you to shout. But, but what I felt like the Lord was dealing with me about is you've got hundreds and hundreds of people that watch every service. And they need to see you up here changed and delivered. It's your way of testifying to people that will never come through the doors of this church. Unless they see you. I'm preaching to the young, to the old, to the middle-aged. Hey, I told you I was going to shoot this sermon in the foot. But all I can tell you is what I felt like the Lord dealt with me about. That the world needs to see that you've been changed. And they can't necessarily see you out there. But they'll see you up here. So live right, live right, and get up here. Is that alright, Brother Ethan? Is that alright, Bishop? Am I preaching to anybody? Now look, now we can get back. And can I tell you that one of the reasons is because somewhere out there, there's somebody that knew you before you had a Bible under your arm and a necktie around your There's somebody that knew you when you had dope going in your veins and you were searching for the next high. And now you've been changed, turned around, touched by the Spirit of God, and you don't go where you used to go. So the only way they'll see you. I'm preaching. It's testifying time. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Pastor, Pastor, I can't sing. Well, lip sync. I don't care if you lip sync. When I was a youth pastor in the 90s, Brother Wilson, you asked me. You said, Brother V, I want you in the youth choir. I said, Brother Wilson, I can't sing. He said, but you need to be there. You need to be around the kids. So you know what I did? For over four years, I lip-synced every single time the choir got up here. I moved, you, I moved my, I just worshiped and moved my lips, but not a sound came out. The Bible said, make a joyful noise. And my singing is not joyful for anybody, especially me and God. But you know what I am? I'm a worshiper. And my man of God said, do it. So I did it. And God blessed that youth choir to sing all over the country, not because of me, 
It wasn't because of me. But I'm telling you, it's a testimony. Praise God. Can I? All right, I'm not going to preach that anymore. You can help me preach again. In the Bible, the Bible tells us of a man named Simeon. That the Bible said in Luke chapter number 2 that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for revival to come. He was an old man that the Holy Ghost told him. The Spirit of the Lord told him. You won't die until you've seen the Messiah come. And so one day, he's going about his business, just doing whatever old men do. If they're like me, they just gripe about stuff. They didn't put that cup in the trash. Why is this laying around here? Why weren't they at church? Just griping like us old people do. I was scratching my head, not my hair, obviously. He's just going about whatever an old man does in Israel around 2,000 years ago. But something got a hold of his heart. And the Holy Ghost said, you need to get to the temple. The Spirit of God stirred something inside of him and said, you got to get to church. Brother Wilson, I had somebody tell me. They told me this morning they got a brand new phone. Got a new phone. And they said, they hadn't been here in over three years. And they said, Pastor, I just keep getting text messages from some four numbers that says, go to church, go to church, go to church. So you know what they did? They came to church. God's at work. And Simeon's just going about his business, just an old man doing old man stuff. And the Holy Ghost said, you better get to the temple. Look what happened. Luke 2 and 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Ghost said, go to church, man. And the old man went to church, and he came by the Spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. It means they're going to circumcise him. Law said eighth day circumcising. And so they bring Jesus as a baby to the temple to circumcise him. And at the same time that Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple, the Holy Ghost tells this old man, Get to church. Go to the house of God right now. And look what happens. Luke 2, 29. He, he sees Jesus, and here's what he said. Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. An old man led by the Spirit, believe in God that salvation's going to come. Believe in that revival's going to come. I know the king is corrupt. I know the priest is corrupt. I know Rome is running rampant. I know that, that worship is down. I know that stuff all in our culture and our society is down. But the Holy Ghost told me to go to church because he's sending salvation. There's still hope for revival. Thank God for an elder that believed that revival was still possible. I've seen some people get old and get so cranky and crabby that they can't let God speak to them. I've seen them get so old and their faith dies. I'll never see revival. I'll never see a move of God. But there was a man named Simeon that says, I'm going to see it before I die. I'm going to see the salvation of Israel come. Hallelujah. Can I preach just a few more minutes? Luke 2, 36 and 37. And there was one Anna. Everybody say Anna. A prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. Eighty-four years. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Here's an old lady. I say it respectfully. Let me say it like the Bible says. Here's a lady of great age that after seven years of marriage, her husband died. And she's been a widow for 84 years. But instead of letting her bad situations and circumstances 
destroy her faith in God. She goes to the temple and she fasts and she prays night and day, believing God, you're going to send revival. God, you're going to stir up the land. I know that you've got better hopes for Israel than a corrupt high priest and a Roman empire. I know you've got better hopes for Israel than cheap sacrifices being sold for bottom dollar. I still believe that salvation's coming. And the Bible said, and she, verse 38, coming in, in that instant, the very moment that Jesus is there, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that look, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah. And everybody say an old woman and an old man. An old woman and an old man that never gave up hope for revival. Can I preach just a minute or two more? Have I out-preached you? She didn't let bad circumstances kill her faith. She was an elder that dealt with disappointments but never quit believing God for revival. We're all going to have disappointments. We're all going to have difficulties. We're all going to face discouragement. But will we still be holding on for revival when they come? Luke 1, 5 and 6, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Two people involved in the ministry of the church, both righteous. Everybody say we're both righteous. They walked in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Everybody say blameless. They lived right. The Bible said they were well stricken in years. That's another nice way of saying, boy, they're old. One source said the term means that they were at least 60. But now that I'm 52, 60 doesn't seem so old, so I reject that source. But 60 then was not like 60 now. They had lower health standards. They had no medical, very little medical care. And so if you lived to be 60, you were old by relative standards. One source said that Zacharias was 92 years old. Most people got married around the age of 15. So it's possible they had been married 45 years to 77 years, depending on which source you want to believe or somewhere in between. Decades had gone by, but the Bible said Elizabeth was barren. They had no child. They lived holy. They followed all the commandments, all the ordinances. They were blameless. They were living and working for God, but life didn't turn out like they thought they would. But you know what the Bible said? That Zacharias just kept on burning incense. He kept going to the house of God and worshiping God. Two old people that didn't have all their dreams come true, but they were still holding on for a move of the Spirit. I've preached to you about four elders, four elders in the Bible, Zacharias and Simeon, Elizabeth and Anna, who though they were old, they were involved and invested in revival. Thank God for elders that still love revival. Amen. Thank God for elders that still love revival. Thank God for elders. I've watched them. I've watched them during tent revival. I watched you walk under that tent on that gravel, uncomfortable, a little unsteady, and was sitting in an uncomfortable seat for three nights. But I watched you as people came to the altar and you sat in your seats and you wept and you cried and you prayed and you worshiped. Thank you. Thank you for loving revival. Thank you for getting us to where we are. I watched you walk into the prayer room. Brother John Allen, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world, but I watch you walk, and I know your feet and your legs hurt, and I watched you come up the slope into the prayer room and almost fall and grab, and grab that handrail. You had your hand and you had your cane, but you still walked into the prayer room. Thank you for coming to the prayer room. I know you can't shout like you used to. I remember when you could. We go back a ways, don't we, Elder? I remember when you could shout, and you did shout, and you led worship in Pana. I remember those days when I'd preach revival for two or three weeks, and you would lead worship, and you'd get up for every service, and you'd lead worship, and the church would, and we'd have a move of God. Well, now you can't get around like that anymore, but thank you because you still love revival. Thank God for Simeon and Zacharias and Anna and Elizabeth. Amen. You still believe 
in revival. But can I tell, can I tell the younger generations? I want to tell the 40-somethings and the 30-somethings and the 20-somethings and the teenagers and the children that all of Simeon's words and all of Anna's prayers and all of Zacharias's incense burning and all of Elizabeth's holy living comes to naught if there's not a Joseph and a Mary who are willing to give themselves to the purpose of God. There's no such thing as a revival church where only one generation is hungry for a move of the Spirit. It takes all of us to see what God really wants to do. It takes all of us to see what God really wants to do. It's not the young people against the old people and the middle-aged people against the elderly people. It's not, we're all together for revival. We all, because we believe that God's doing something special in this place. Do you believe it with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got thinking, Sister Melinda, I got thinking this week. And, and, and some folks, if they don't help me preach, I'm going to let you talk to them because you can say things preachers can't say. <laughs> I was thinking about your mother, Sister Melinda. I was, I was, I was thinking about her this week. And uh, I, I was, I was driving, driving back from Little Rock. And I got kind of doing the math in my head about how old I was when I first came and preached, Sister Wilson. Thank you for falling in love with me when I was young and making Brother Wilson bring me back. But, but I got thinking, Sister Melinda, that, that when, I, when I came, your mother was about the age I am now. And just like that, the years went by. Just like that, it just, whoo. And when I came as a teenager, I thought she was old then. I didn't have perspective of life. But time, what I'm saying is that before you know it, you're advanced to a different generation. And so we don't have time to worry about old, young, middle-aged. All we have time is to worry about revival. We need a move of the Spirit. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. We need God to do something. Because just like that, I'm going to be the old person. And you that are young are going to be me. <laughs> God, help us all. What I'm preaching is that there's something happening that's joining the generations of this church together. I see our elders loving our young people. And I see our young people loving our elders. I see them worshiping the Lord together. I see them praising God together. I see them praying with each other, with each other in the altar. And I'm telling you, that is God's divine conception. That is God's idea of how a church moves, moves forward. That's God's idea of how a church steps to another level and goes to another place. That's God's conception. Can I tell you, God's got a plan. And God's plan's not leaving our elders out and it's not leaving our babies out. When the, when, when the enemy told Moses, okay, you can go, but you leave your babies here. You can go out and worship, but you gotta leave your children behind. I've come to tell the devil, we're not leaving a single generation in Egypt. We're not leaving our babies. We're not leaving our elders. We're not leaving our middle-aged folks. We're not leaving anybody behind. We're all moving forward. We're going to revival together. Anybody believe what I'm preaching to you? I want you to stand and wave your hand to heaven right now. It's a divine conception. It's a divine plan. Woo, Jesus. Mm, ha. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell our, our, our young people, don't just walk by elders because you're on a mission to go see your friends. Stop and say hi, say hello, say thank you. Say thank you because you built this building that we get to worship in right now. Say thank you because you came when nobody else, when it wasn't popular to be like us. You came when we didn't have 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people watching every service online. You came when it was a bunch of people throwing rocks through the windows making fun of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for worshiping when we weren't around to do it. 
I'm preaching to somebody right now. Amen. And listen, elders, when a young person walks by, reach out and grab them and say, I'm proud of you. Some of these kids don't have parents living for God. They got nobody saying you're doing good. They got nobody saying, hey, you can make it. You can live for God. You can do it. If they hear anything, it's usually something negative. So when they walk by, just reach out and grab them. Aaron, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud that a few years ago, you decided what you were going to do. You were going to live for God, and you were going to work for God. And I know you're not always perfect. But thank you for serving God and thank you for being faithful. Just do it sometime. Brother Benny, thank you. I don't know how to say thank you enough for what you've invested in this church. I don't know how to say thank you enough. I had somebody come during tent revival. I don't know. I, I should have quit preaching a long time ago. I should have quit preaching before I Barney fifed it about getting y'all in the choir. I had somebody, we had a couple that came to tent revival denominational preachers between assignments sweet people man sweet people God touched them I went back I went back to shake their hands when I went back and I shook their hand I introduced myself and about that time you know what they told me they saw Benny and they said he made us feel right at home I said but when he, he, he greeted us and made us feel like we belong here he said, they said, they said, you've got a good one in Brother Benny. Thank you, Brother Benny. You didn't ask me to say it. I'm saying it. Thank you. Thank you. What I'm saying is it takes all of us. Brother Kenny, Sister Gail, thank you for letting us use your property. I know it's probably a wreck after we got out of there, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, young men that slept all night long under that tent so people wouldn't steal our stuff while I was in my nice, comfortable bed. And you were laying out there on an old stage just to make sure that the next night we could get together and have revival. Thank you guys that got off from work and went straight out there and started plugging up wires. It takes all of us. It takes everybody. It takes, it, takes those, it takes those that have been in church for years. But let me tell everybody, even if this is your very first time in church, let me tell you, it takes you. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for you being here. You're not here by accident. You're here tonight because God has a divine purpose that you're part of what he's doing here. Well, yes, you are. I see revival in your future. I see joy coming into your family. I see peace coming in your mind. I see, a, I see a change of life and a change of, I'm preaching to somebody. I see hope for your family. I wish somebody believed it would praise God right now. I wish somebody believed it would praise God right now. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm quitting with this. At the tomb of Lazarus, you had a dead man in the tomb. His ears don't work. His brain's not registering. He's dead. He has no faith whatsoever that he can come back to life. He's in a tomb, and there's no, there's no way that he can have enough faith to get out. What he's counting on is Mary and Martha on the outside of the tomb. That when Jesus says, do you believe your brother can rise again? If they say, well, I'm... no, I don't know. They were depending on the living to have enough faith for the dead. The people, say it with me, the people who were alive had to believe for the one that was dead. And you know what the church's role is when we come to church? There's people that come in that are dead in sin. And they're dead in dysfunction. And they're dead in addiction. They've been so beat up and wounded and bruised by the world and by the devil that they walk in here and they're dead in their heart and in their spirit. And they can't hardly believe that God could ever do anything with them. They're like Lazarus in the tomb. But Lazarus is depending on the people who are alive to have enough faith 
for the one that's dead. That's where you come in, mama. That's where you come in, grandma. That's where you come in, daddy. That's where you come in, young person. That every time we come, we worship God to the point that the dead can believe the word of the Lord. That's why I've come tonight. I've come because God has a divine plan. Hallelujah. He's got a purpose in this service tonight. God wants to renew somebody. I wish you'd praise him right now. I wish you'd praise him. I wish you'd have enough faith that God could turn somebody's life around. Would you say, yay, Lord, I believe. I believe you can get it up. I believe you can be delivered. I believe you can be free. I believe you can have joy. I believe you can have a turnaround. It's a divine plan. It's a divine conception. God has a plan in this place. Yes, Lord, go ahead and praise him. Front to back, left to right, old to young. Everybody praise him. Living and dead alike, praise him. If you're bound, praise Him. If you're free, praise Him. If you're discouraged, praise Him. If you're joyful, praise Him. If you're addicted, praise Him. If you've been set free, praise Him. It's a divine conception. It's a divine plan. It's a purpose of God. It's God's way of saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, Lord. Here's what I want to happen right now. Everybody that's ever been faced with discouragement, depression, and anxiety that's ever been touched by God and brought out, I want you to give God the best praise you can right now. That's your way of testifying. That's your way of testifying to somebody who's, all, who's in the grave. It's your way of testifying to somebody, a Lazarus, that it can happen. You can be free. If you've ever been delivered from addiction, from drugs, from alcohol, from any addiction in this world, I want you to give God a praise if you've been delivered. I want you to praise God because you're testifying right now. You're showing somebody. You're showing a Lazarus. There's hope. There's hope. Come on, don't stop right now. You're calling Lazarus out of the grave. Anybody ever been bound by false doctrine, false religion? You found the death religion, never did anything for you. But then you came and you got filled with the Holy Ghost and set free and baptized in Jesus' name. And it's the best thing you ever done. Why don't you give God a praise right now? What you're testifying is that what I'm preaching really works. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. It's this Pentecostal blessing and I know it's a divine conception. All right, come to the altar with your hands lifted up. We're going to pray together before we go. Amen. If you can come to the altar, come. If you look around and you see an elder that can't come, why don't you slide over to him and take him by the hand and say, I'll pray with you right here. God's got a plan. Say it with me. God's got a plan. Come on, say it with me. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. It's a divine conception. God's got a plan for your life that goes beyond what you can dream of. For He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. I'm still trying to preach faith into somebody to tell you that your future is anointed of God. That your future is blessed of God. That God has a plan for your life. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Before we move on, this world always tells you how no good you are, how they'll never make it. But I'm telling you, God's got a divine conception of your life. A perfect plan that he's going to work out. It's better than any of your dreams could have ever been. It's got more peace than you ever dreamed you could have. More joy than you ever dreamed you could experience. It's a divine conception that God is doing something 
in our church, in our world, and in our families, in our lives. Amen. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody close to you right now. Everybody praying for somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, it's beautiful. I see multiple generations. I see families with a grandparent and a next generation and babies. I see families with little children. A cross-generational move of the Holy Ghost is what I'm feeling right now. Amen. Why don't you lift your voice and begin to pray. To one that's here by yourself with no family. The Bible said he said the solitary in family. This whole congregation is your family. You've been born into one of the greatest families that you'll ever experience in your entire life. That's right. Pray one for another. I want you to pray that God would birth something powerful in the person you're praying with that God would do something awesome and amazing in their life. That God would birth hopes and dreams of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You're not useless. You're not no good. You're not a waste. You've not gone too far. You're not too broken. You're not too messed up. You haven't burnt too many bridges. Because when God has a plan, he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. In the name of Jesus, I pray for these men and women, these young people and children. From our eldest to our youngest, God, I pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place. I pray, God, that you would weave throughout the generations of this church a constant thread of hope for revival, a love a deep love for souls to be touched by the Spirit of God. Let there be a fresh anointing birth, O oh God. That we need Simeon and we need Anna and we need Zacharias and we need Elizabeth and we also, we also need Mary and Joseph to give themselves to your purpose and to your plan. In the name of Jesus. God, I speak a blessing over this congregation. I feel like telling somebody, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name tonight. You've thought about it. You don't need to put it off anymore. This is your time. This is your day. This is your moment. This is in God's plan for you to be here. You need to do it tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lay your hand on the person next to you. Ethan, I don't know what you're playing, but sing whatever it is. And pray one for another. Brother Brian, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in leather. I believe in your boys. I believe your key to revival. Lord, bless this family. In Jesus' name, open heaven for them, God, and bless them. I pray over their boys, God. I ask you, Lord Jesus, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost shadow them and cover them. God, as they start reaching their teen years and these parents' stress is put to the test, I pray, God, let them have an abiding faith that you're able to keep that which we've committed unto you. Lord, I pray. I pray for Landon and Brody and Cannon. I pray, God, that you would put a great anointing on their lives and use their talents and gifts for you. God, I pray that you would open heaven for them. In the name of Jesus, come on, pray one for another. Pray blessings on the person next to you. Pray the goodness of God on somebody. It's a lot, it's easy to bless somebody. It's easy to bless somebody. But you just go up to them and pray the blessing on them. Hallelujah. Logan, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the man you've become. I'm proud that you've overcome the things in your youth that were, that, that were difficult. But here you are in the house of God, serving God, you and your wife faithful to the house of God. I'm proud of the man you are, and I'm proud of the Christian you are. 
I believe God's got a purpose and a plan. Come on, pray for some. Find somebody and bless them. Find somebody and speak life over them. Thank you, Jesus. and Emma, I'm proud of y'all. Congratulations on your engagement. I believe you can do great things for God. I believe the hand of God is on your lives. I believe God has preserved you for such a time as this. That God has given you gifts and callings and anointings. I feel something in the Holy Ghost right now. That your life is purposed and ordered of God. And His hand is on you. And don't fear your future because God's in it. And God's going to make a way. And God's going to do it. And God's going to give you direction in Jesus' name. God's going to do it. Reach your hand over towards this man. The Holy Ghost get ready to touch him. Hallelujah. I speak life. And I speak hope. And I speak a future over him in Jesus' name. upon and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 he is for you
face for you. 